Well, let me invite you to take your Bibles this morning and join me as we read out of Luke's Gospel, the third Gospel today. We're continuing to look at some of the women of the New Testament, and this morning we meet a woman who is a widow whose only son has died. Let's read the scripture beginning in verse 11 of chapter 7 of Luke. Soon afterward, Jesus went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. As he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the town was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her. Your translation may possibly read, he had compassion on her. And he said, don't cry. Then he went up and touched the coffin, and those carrying it stood still. He said, young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to talk. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. They were all filled with awe and praised God. A great prophet has appeared among us, they said. God has come to help his people. Or your translation may say, God has visited his people. This news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding country. Sisters and brothers in Christ... This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, there are many things that characterize our holiday seasons, such as Thanksgiving, Advent, Christmas, the New Year's. But one of the the things that I think is one of the major characteristics of all of those holidays is that we visit family and friends. We make a visit, and my guess is, uh, as we have just finished up the Thanksgiving holiday, that you made some visits. You went to see some family and friends. In fact, you may have done it multiple times over a short amount of time, and it will be an activity that you will repeat as we move through Advent and come to the Christmas season. In fact, it may well be that After it's all over with, you'll be able to join the chorus that said, you know, I was glad to see the headlights, but I was glad to see the taillights when all of the festivities mercifully came to an end. Well, in this particular text, Jesus is making a visit. But it's not a visit at a holiday season. It's at a visit where he interrupts a funeral procession. He meets a widow, and he sees the crowd that is following the casket out for the burial of this woman's only son. It's such a profound visit that after everything is said and done, Luke records for us that the crowd praised God and said a great prophet has arisen among his people again. And God has visited his people. 
But you know, the visit begins on a sad note. Because, of course, we have a woman and she is a widow. And what that means is that she has already experienced the death of a husband, perhaps at a young age. Because we know that the son who has died is a young man. So we can guess that this woman has perhaps had her husband to die at a young age. You know, back in this particular day, in this culture, a woman is passed on from her father to her husband to her son's care. In this day and age, a woman cannot inherit any property unless she doesn't have any brothers. In this day and age, a woman does not recite any marriage vows. In this day and age, a woman cannot initiate divorce proceedings. The fact is, it's a great shame for a woman to be divorced, and in this cultural age, it is a great shame for a woman to be widowed. And in this particular situation, the latter is the case for the woman. She is a widow. But now we have a double problem. Because not only is she a woman, and of course you know women had no rights in this day and age, generally speaking, but she's a widow, and now her only son has died. And believe it or not, that's an equal shame. A woman without a father, without a husband, or without a son to care for her becomes destitute. She doesn't have any financial means whereby to make a living, to take care of her needs, unless she yields to the profession of prostitution. Women who do not have fathers or husbands or sons live a difficult life. So now we have the disciples and we have uh, a crowd who are following Jesus into this city of Nain and they are on a head-on collision with the mourners who are burying this young man within 24 hours of death. You see, in this day and age, you didn't tarry. When someone dies, you bury them almost immediately, certainly within 24 hours. So, so we have this mother, this widow. Her only son has died within 24 hours, and so the grief is, is very distinct. It's very fresh. If you know anything about the stages of grief, you know that one of the first parts of grief when a death has occurred is what's called shock and denial. Your body and your mind just goes into automatic pilot because you're trying to cope with the reality that a loved one, a friend, a family member has died. And this woman is in the stage of shock and denial. My guess all of us in this room have experienced shock and denial. I remember the first time I experienced that shock and denial because of the death of a loved one. I really was fortunate, to be honest with you. I was 21 years old before I really had someone that I was significantly close to who died. Many of us face death far younger ages than me. I mean, I'd had, you know, aunts and uncles, distance aunts and uncles who had died, but, but I can still remember 
that day. It, it was the Monday before Thanksgiving, 1978. I was a senior in college and I was working at the Garner United Methodist Church outside of Raleigh in the little town of Garner at the time as a director of youth and education. And I'd been to class earlier that morning and I'd driven out to the church to work for the rest of the day and I was sitting at my desk and the telephone rang and the secretary said, it's for you. And it was my wife, Leslie. And she told me through tears that the only grandfather that I'd ever known had died suddenly that morning. And as I listened to those words over the phone, I mean, my, my mind heard what was being said, but I didn't believe it. Shock and denial is, is a powerful experience. And so here's Jesus. He and his disciples and the crowd following him are on this head-on collision with the funeral mourners who are heading to bury this young man and they're carrying the casket on their shoulders. And Jesus sees it. And he very quickly knows the reality of this woman. She is a woman. He learns she is a widow. And now he learns that it's her only son. And he knows the burial customs. He, he knows they're buried within 24 hours, so he knows the grief is fresh. Shock and denial. And he knows the socioeconomic and religious loss that this woman has experienced in the past and is experiencing now, and will, she will experience for the remainder of her life. So, so can't you understand why Luke then tells us, in my translation, in the New International Version, it says, speaking of Jesus, his heart went out to her. Can't you understand that now? You know, really, the word compassion is a, is a good translation to Jesus had compassion on her. It's a word that describes the kind of compassion that you have deep within your gut. In fact, the word means that you have a compassion in your bowels. You see, the ancient world believed that the seat of emotions, feelings, were deep within your bowels, your guts, which they included to be the heart, the lungs, the liver, the stomach, the intestines. That was your bowels, that was your gut, and that was the seat of emotions. So when you read that it says, and Jesus had compassion on her, what the writer is really trying to indicate is that deep within his gut, Jesus hurt for this woman. You ever heard some news? You read about something? You heard something on television? A friend related a story to you that was so sad, so tragic, and you could almost feel the pain in your stomach as the compassion began to well up within you? Well, that's what Jesus was feeling. Jesus was feeling deep within his gut this great compassion for this woman who is a woman, doesn't have any rights in the world. She is a widow. Now she's lost her only son. 
And in the line of two other great Hebrew prophets, Elijah and Elisha, who both, interestingly, raised the only son of a widow from the dead. Both Elijah and Elisha do this. Jesus, in that same line, merely stops the funeral procession, touches the coffin, speaks the words of life, and this young man comes back to life. And that's when the crowd says, a great prophet has risen. Surely God has visited his people. I want to remind you this morning that we do business with a God who hurts in his gut with us when we suffer a loss and who visits his people with compassion. We all know that death is the ultimate loss. But let's also acknowledge that people experience a lot of different kinds of losses in their life. There are some people who do not get the job they had hoped to get. Or they get terminated from the one they have. There are some people who lose a state of physical or emotional or mental well-being. There are people who lose a spouse by way of separation or divorce. There are people who become alienated from friends and family with whom previously they had had a healthy relationship. And all of these things are swirling in our life, and then we arrive at the holidays. And the holidays are supposed to be happy and joyful occasions for us, right? But if all of these things are swirling within us and we're dealing with all of these losses, then the holidays never become holy days for us. And they only deepen our sense of loss and our grief. I wish, and you just don't know how many times I have felt this way, I wish that I had a magic wand to change so many of these losses. But I want to remind you this morning that Jesus, at the heart of who he is, shows us a God whose heart of compassion breaks in his gut with ours whenever a loss strikes. I don't understand sometimes why Jesus is able to touch the coffin and speak the words of resurrection and it happens right then. And why on other occasions we'll not see the reality of resurrection until Christ comes again. But I remind you today that we're in the season of Advent. And on this first Sunday, the emphasis is on hope. We're preparing to celebrate His first coming, but we're also eagerly awaiting His second coming when we will see the fruit of our hopeful waiting amidst the losses and the tragedies of our life. There is a man by the name of Lamont McIntyre. He's 41 years old. This past October in Kansas, he was exonerated of a double murder after spending 23 years in prison. He was arrested, he was tried, and he was convicted at the age of 18. 
Despite the fact that there was no physical evidence at the time that linked him to the crime, despite the fact that there were accurate alibis of his whereabouts that exonerated him from these murders, despite the fact that there was support from the two men who were killed from their families for Lamont McIntyre, he was convicted 23 years ago in a four-day trial. Understandably, he was very angry for the first several years. Wouldn't you have been if this had happened to you? He was angry about his conviction. But after a number of years, he decided to make a choice. He decided to choose hope and happiness about his future. Sustained by his Christian faith while he was in prison, he started a self-education effort. He started reading literature. He started reading philosophy. He started reading theology. He started studying history. He put himself through a time of self-education. And since his release from prison back in October, this is what he says he wants his future to be about. He says, and I quote, anything I can do to help people understand that life has meaning and that there is another day after the worst day that you could ever have. That's what Jesus brings this woman at the visit beside the funeral procession. And I think that's what Jesus can bring to you and me as well. He can bring compassion and he can bring hope after the worst day that you could ever 